Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey Mets fans, welcome back to Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World Series. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. We apologize for missing last week. There was some uh, illness in our households, and so it made sense to take a little bit of a break. But we are back before the end of the season, and there's a couple of things we want to talk about. But we're going to start with some good news. You know, it's been a rough season for Mets fans for a number of reasons. But at the end of the year here, we're getting some milestones passed, and two of them were passed yesterday. We recorded this on Thursday the 28th. Yesterday, Kodai Senga recorded his 200th strikeout for the Mets, which, um, you know, obviously 200 strikeouts is a big deal. But I did not realize how few Mets had achieved that goal until, Chris, you wrote an article about it. Was he only, I think it's the, was it the fourth Met to do that? Sorry, sorry, 13th. 13th Met, but only the the third, the the first since 2019 to do it, and the 13th overall. considering how many great pitchers the Mets have had over their tenure, it's a little shocking that only 13 Mets have done that. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little surprised uh, to hear that or, or to, to read it uh, really. And looking mm-hmm. that up, I think Gary Cohen mentioned he put, you know, he put the season into context um, with the, the fact that Sang is in his rookie season and doing it. So he had put it into both a Mets rookie contest and uh, a Japanese pitcher rookie contest mm-hmm. text. And it's, yeah, it, it's pretty wild how rare it is. And uh, obviously with some of these guys that were, uh, that are Mets pitching legends like Tom Seaver, that's somebody who did it a whole bunch of different times. Right. But um, the, the number of pitchers that, have done it is still much lower than you would expect. Uh, Matt Harvey never did it. That seems absolutely insane. Right. 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 <laughs> but, but it's true. Um, even DeGrom did it, I think two, maybe three times. Um, just not, not something that's that easy to do. And I think, you know, we've hit on this point and so has the, SMY broadcast uh, as the season has gone on, it just feels like Sanga is getting better. Uh, I, I thought it was really nice to get to just listen uh, to Ron Darling talk about his start last night. Um, 
sort of reflecting on that, you know, talking about this pitcher who has obviously has talent, but has been learning how to adjust on the fly. Of course, uh, last night for the first time all year, his ghost fork allowed one home run, (laughs) (laughs) but, but you just, you look at what he did. Uh, he, He came into a season and, and maybe it helped a little bit that two future Hall of Fame pitchers were at the top of the rotation. Um, and their injuries and struggles in the early going were much more of a focus than uh, the fact that Senga, he got off to a decent start. He wasn't, he wasn't terrible by any means, but he wasn't dominant from day one. Um, but all of that is to say, he did something special already and it feels like starting next season, uh, it, picking up where he leaves off at the end of this season, having made his final start now that there's really the potential for something special there. Uh, it, he, you know, a few weeks ago, um, like I floated the Cy Young contention, uh, and unfortunately, the couple of pitchers who were ahead of him in ERA didn't really falter mm-hmm. over that span. But depending on where certain free agent pitchers sign, you go into next season and, and sure, some of these uh, other great pitchers out there, like uh, I'm sure people will expect to bounce back from Spencer Strider. Uh, if Blake Snell wins the Cy Young and ends up staying in the National League, uh, on any of his 15 teams, <laughs> then it, there, there are going to be some other pitchers who are in that mix, but Senga went from intriguing, unknown, really, uh, at the time the Mets signed him, to somebody who should be in that preseason mix for Cy Young contenders, and that is uh, that is pretty great, so... Yeah, I mean the fact that he's going to finish in the top three in ERA in the league, he's going. You know, he passed the two hundred strikeout threshold. Like all, all of the sort of uh, traditional metrics that you look at for somebody in Cyan contention are all there. But I think if you take all of that outside of the, you look at the numbers, and that's one thing. And that's great. We should never ignore the numbers. But when you factor in you know, first year in America, different ball, all the all that other stuff. It really does come out to a pretty special season and a season that, you know, for, for a, a relatively lost season for the Mets, it is nice to see something so positive happen uh, with with one of their players. So, yeah, uh, that's very fun. What's also very fun is that we have been talking about how there was, as we put it, an outside shot at uh francisco lindor getting a 30 30 season but yesterday over the course of a double header he went from an outside shot to clinching it by hitting three home runs in one day so you know look 30 30 we, we talked about this recently on the show in relation to uh howard johnson and a couple other players that had that had achieved that goal but it is I, maybe this is just because of the age that I am. I still think of thirty thirty as one of the coolest achievements in baseball that you can that you can do. And Lindor is somebody who, I mean, I, it's it's very hard for me to not love Francisco Lindor as a Met. He's been such a, a positive presence on the club, and again, in a season that that, that hasn't meant that much, this is a really nice. Uh, little capstone on that season for Lindor. I know you you were particularly excited about the 30-30 season, so I want to hear you talk about this. Sure. I I think it puts Lindor into uh, a very special place among Mets players. And it, you, you look back and it's a little bit surprising that there weren't a couple of other Mets who, who accomplished the feat. Um, but when you're joining that very short list of, of other players who have done that in franchise history, um, I hope that makes anybody who may still have any doubts or complaints about who Lindor is as a player, 
appreciate what he's doing. It's not easy to do. Obviously, the changes in the rules have made stolen bases easier for everybody. Um, and I guess if I'm, you know, I should be consistent. It, when Acuna hit the, I don't know what it is now, but it was like 40, 60 season or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure what, how many, you know, what he stands at today. Um, but I remember looking at that and going like, oh, well, it, it, it's a hell of a lot easier to steal at base now than it used to be. Um, but now that the Mets have somebody who has reached a, a, a notable uh, number in both of those categories, I will gladly take it. Um, <laughs> well, also, you know, look, Lindor, this is Lindor's best stolen base season of all time. But if you take out 2020 for the shortened season, you know, the the three years prior to that, he had 15, 25, and 22 stolen bases. You know, he only had 10 in 2021, but that was a down year for him in general. In 2022, he had 16 stolen bases, and now he has he has 30. So, you know, they, obviously, we can't say that the, uh, the rule changes limited his stolen bases ability. Uh, it obviously helped in some way, but it's not like he was a two stolen base guy who suddenly stole 30 bases. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and the fact that he plays an excellent shortstop. Yeah. Um, it, you know, while doing all of this at the plate is, is pretty rare. Um, so the fact, you know, Corey Seager looking at, at just some of the stats overall Seager, has just been maybe the best hitter in baseball when healthy this year. So um, at the moment, and, and in all likelihood, this won't change over the next three days. Um, Seager's got the F4 lead among shortstops. Um, but Lindor is right up there, uh, you know, as of this morning, leading National League shortstops, second overall in the game. Uh, in that metric. And that's somebody, it, you look at what he's done in his time with the Mets. And even though there was that little bit of a slow start in his first season with the team, the overall body work of work there is great. Uh, and I, I just, I don't think people should take that for granted. And and I think that's important to remember as people who are supportive and appreciative of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well that in all likelihood he won't win an MVP uh, as a you know member of the Mets but playing in the same league as Mookie Betts and Acuna um, that's not really your fault right (laughs) Um, sort of a product of of timing and and luck a little bit um if you know, thinking about where some big name free agents might land this winter, if Shohei Otani stays in the American League um, next season, there's an opportunity for somebody to win that MVP award with Mike Trout now um, consistently missing time year after year, where he right. went from the sure thing MVP to a very good player who just can't get anywhere near 600 plate appearances. Uh, And then Otani shifting into a hitting only role for a year. Okay. That opportunity might present itself. Um, But in the national league, Betts isn't going anywhere. Acuna is not going anywhere. You're certainly not rooting for injuries. So um, if Francisco Lindor is just the second or third best in the league, but he's doing it year in and year out. Uh, that is somebody, especially with the way, just just his, the person he is, right? Yes. Uh, that is somebody who I'm, I'm very happy that we get to root for on the Mets and the type of player that, you know, in conjunction with ownership that has a lot of money, um, you can you can look at 2024 and have some hope that this team will bounce back uh, if they build properly around him. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And then the the last of the sort of nice moments that may happen before the end of the season is uh, that Pete Alonso is at 46 home runs with four games to play. And uh, a 50 home run season would be, I mean, it would be great for for so many reasons, right? But the fact that Alonso is as young as he is and has already had one 50 home run season, had a 40 home run season last year, you know, it's just, it is, we don't see power like this come around very often, especially not with the Mets. And we've had a lot of talk on this podcast about how we think the Mets should extend Alonzo and how they hope they do. If he finishes the season with 50 home runs for a year that has not been his best, you know, uh, Alonzo, if you recall, had an injury that put him on the injury list that he came back from, some would say, too quickly. Uh, you know, so uh, he, he had a bit of a, of a dry spell for his power after that injury. But, you know, look, his he's he has a little bit less of a uh, a little bit lesser batting average this season. You know, he batted two twenty two batting two twenty two his time of the recording last year was two seventy one. His rookie year was two sixty. So he's you know below his career norms uh, in that perspe- in that perspective. And he's a little bit down from an on base perspective, but he's slugging just about as much as he ever has. And you know he he's just an incredibly impressive player. And uh He's already this is already his second best power season in terms of home runs, and uh, yeah, it, again in a season with not much to root for, an Alonzo power surge this weekend will be a wonderful thing to root for. Absolutely, yeah, and I, I if Francisco Lindor can crank three home runs in one day over the over the course of two games, um, <clears throat> Pete Alonzo has a chance to hit a few more here uh, and. and end the season with 50 and I think we've become sort of accustomed to finding the individual achievements over the years as Mets fans. I obviously want, I think the bar is different now in terms of what's um, acceptable from the team as a whole. And I've tried to stay optimistic about that despite the, uh, the fact that they, are finishing with a losing record this year, but yeah, it's, it's a nice thing to get to do. And I don't know, there's just some part of me that's, um, I don't know if it's happy is not the right word, but knowing that there are a lot of other teams out there that will make the wild card round that wish they had a hitter like Pete Alonzo in the middle of their lineup. Yep. Um, that's it's there's some satisfaction in that and <laughs> and, I, and I think this look he I don't want to say he's Barry Bonds right now in terms of his power but um I think even similar to Lindor even like in the moment those of us who are very supportive of these players um might not realize because it, you know like with Alonzo, especially it feels like he's our guy. We um, mostly remember either reading about him or seeing him in Brooklyn, um, you know, watching him come up through the minor league ranks. There was a lot of doubt about what he could do as a major league player. Um, and I think it, it can be kind of easy to just downplay who that player is a little bit because you're so familiar with them where, if I don't know if you're uh, a fan of um what the twins right they 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 don't have a there's not a 50 home run hitter in that lineup right and then that's that's not a big knock on the twins they they are a team that's capable of scoring <laughs> runs yeah they're making the playoffs the Mets aren't right. but you know <laughs> right 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 yeah. totally but uh, I'd imagine that a few other teams will. Uh, would, would be very, very happy to get Peter Alonzo in the middle of their lineup. And I don't think anybody who listens to this podcast or reads anything we write about the Mets is a Peter Alonzo hater. Um, so I think Hope I'm not. preaching to the choir here. Yeah. But you, you never know when in the middle of the season you have um, – I don't know the best way to describe them – Idiots on 
much, much larger outlets talking about baseball, trying to, you know, just talk shit about Pete Alonzo not being a good teammate or, or, or whatever. Like, um, just total nonsense uh, that's out there. You know, you, I, I would hope that most people see that for what it is. And again, just appreciate what Pete Alonzo is. Yes. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So before we wrap up today, we do want to talk about the baby bats a little bit. Um, that has been the nickname obviously given to a couple of the younger players, specifically Francisco Alvarez, Mark Vientos, and Brett Beatty. Are there, is anyone else you would throw in that in that baby Mets category, or are those the three? Um. Well, I I feel like Mauricio is a latecomer, but he, he sure. can get lumped into the yeah. to the group um, since all four of them started the year in Syracuse, which is kind of hard to believe. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. Well, let's 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 talk about them then. So, you know, Alvarez got off to a hot start, but has significantly cooled down. But is going to end the season with you know at least twenty three home runs is where he is now, and he's really proven himself to be a capable major league catcher. Was the knock against him? I mean, the the whole time that we've been talking about Francisco Alvarez, the things I have heard are he's gonna hit, but he's not gonna necessarily uh, he's not gonna necessarily be a, a, be able to stick a catcher. And you know, again, Christian Thomas, uh, the theme of this year's podcast. You know, you <laughs> you saw him catch, and you thought, no, I think this guy can stick there. And it looks like you were probably right about that. So, you know. Real quickly, in ten words or less. No, I'm kidding. How take take as much time as you want. But you know, <laughs> how how are you feeling about Alvarez? Let's start there. How how was Alvarez's first season playing regularly in the majors? How is that uh, sitting with you right now? It sits very well, and I think there's obviously some room for improvement. Um, sort of just in his overall offensive production, but for a 21 year old who came up uh seemed to immediately have the respect of max scherzer in particular yep. um scherzer had spoken highly of him after a rehab start in binghamton last year continued to do so this year i know people might have mixed feelings about the way scherzer uh obviously fared in the wild card series last year and then um about his just sort of honest approach to answering everything after he was traded this year. But that's not easy to do. Um, and it's not that every veteran just hates rookies or anything like that. But right. it, Max Scherzer, by 
all accounts, including his own, is a lunatic when it comes to like the day he pitches. So, <laughs> so to, to to get somebody like that on board um, to go out there, he just seems completely unfazed uh, by any of the things that might typically intimidate somebody coming in and trying to take over as a as a starting catcher. But he did it so well that it was apparent within what two three weeks of him getting called up that that he is the starting catcher now um so you know i'm just looking at his over like overall offensive way to runs created plus tends to be the catch-all that i like the most on the hitting side of things uh yoda has some thoughts about francisco alvarez background yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um obviously right now he ranks sort of in the middle of the pack for you know for catchers who have racked up uh, a decent number of plate appearances this year but to do that at 21 there's definitely an opportunity to grow and to me um you know, when you just look at his overall game, he's a top 10 catcher by Fangraph's wins above replacement already. Um, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. So he's not, um, he's not Mike Piazza yet. And I don't know, maybe, maybe on like the batting average and on base percentage, side of things he he won't get to that point um but most hitters especially ones that are that young tend to improve as their 20s go on um obviously there are exceptions all the time but i I wouldn't expect him to get worse at hitting Right. right and even if he only hits like this and catches the way he catches um incredibly valuable major leaguer <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah. totally uh so thoroughly impressed with what he's done uh the fact that sending him back to syracuse was never a serious option um it, it was one that was written about a little bit but it even seemed foolish to write about it at that time um yeah pretty damn good yeah he uh he's gonna be a part of this team for a long long time and like you said, even if this is generally where his ceiling lays, it's an incredibly valuable player. If he can cut down on the strikeouts, if he can just generally improve his eye at the plate, man, that has to be a uh, one of the one of the best at developments of a homegrown player in a very very long time. You know. Catchers don't typically hit like this. I could have ended that sentence after the word hit. Catchers don't typically <laughs> hit. So, you know, just to have to have a guy who's a legitimate power threat and an above average catcher in the game right now, man, you just you have to just tip your hat to that. That's incredible. So next up is Brett Beatty. And Beatty is having a rough season. Uh, you know, moments of 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 greatness have shown through. But, you know, he currently OPS plus he tends to be a place where I, I look just for a quick scan of a player. The OPS plus of 67, 100 is league average. And, uh, you know, just just isn't really um, it's, it's, it, it, he I don't know. I don't know if he looks overmatched. I don't know if he's not making adjustments, but he certainly isn't looking like the player that certain fans were convinced he was and that he was quote rotting in triple a. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's far too early to give up on him. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Which is, which is, uh, something that'll, <laughs> I, I can't help it. Yoda has thoughts about every baby met. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, are you going to have to change Yoda's? Have, have you already changed Yoda's Instagram handle? Yeah, he's Yoda the New Yorkie. Too. Okay, there we go. Just making um, sure. Okay. Yeah, to capture his ubiquitousness throughout the state. 
<laughs> right, of course. Yes. When when people think New York, they think uh, the Statue of Liberty, they think uh, Empire State Building and Yoda. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> but I, I don't know with Beatty. I'm not <clears throat> I'm not too worried about um, a situation where he doesn't get another shot at the major league level by any means. Um, I'd, I'd be a little bit surprised if the Mets went in to the offseason and acquired an everyday third baseman when they have, uh, you know, the, the potential, and then we'll get to Vientos in a minute, but um, Mauricio, Beatty, Vientos, all theoretically could be options at third base. Um, I don't think having three players who are maybes at a position is, is a reason to go in and say like, okay, we're not doing anything at third base, but I'd still be surprised if they went and did that. Um, So yeah, having, having said that, um, I don't think any one of those three should be a lock for that job to start the year, but it's definitely too early to give up on Beatty. Um, there, there obviously is a lot of talent there. Um, I don't know how useful time at AAA is for him uh, right now because every time he's there, he just destroys it. Um, but I don't think that he's just some quad A guy. And it, it, obviously there are slightly different expectations um, in terms of like what their prospect stock was, but it's a little bit similar to Kellenick out in Seattle after the Mets traded him, right? Um, I, I I hope there's some improvement in store for Beatty, like there has been for Kellenick. Although in his case, he's it really had a, a nice hot start to this season and then struggled significantly for a couple of months before right. kicking the cooler and breaking his uh, toe or foot or whatever <laughs> bone it technically was. But it is somebody. It, I just look because um, he's he's a little bit younger than Beatty, uh, but you can kind of see a little bit of a parallel in their their first couple of seasons. Um, Not full-time major league playing time, uh, hitting well below league average for a couple of years. Um, You know, age-wise, they're they're one year apart based on their first and second seasons. but I'd like to think that there is a corner that could be turned um, and it's definitely too, too soon to conclude anything else. So, yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. My only other note on Beatty is just that, you know, like you said, I don't think the Mets are going to look for a third baseman this off season as one of their you know, top priorities. However, I also don't think any of the guys you mentioned are enough of a lock that if a third baseman that they felt could really improve the team became available, I hope the Mets don't avoid that player because of three maybe kind of sort of third baseman they have in the system. Oh, yeah, totally. And and a really nice thing about everything that we talked about with Alvarez is that we're all super confident in the catching side of things. So if they go out and acquire somebody who blocks – these guys at third base uh, DH is still there. Yep. Uh, you know, if that corner gets turned and uh, to me, Beatty's struggles in the field are slightly more concerning um, than the ones at, at the plate, because at least, I mean, I don't know. It's not like he's a butcher defensively, but we've seen him put up a good month at the major league level uh, as a hitter. And, Obviously, we know the game is all about constant adjustments and um, a month doesn't guarantee anything moving forward, but we've seen a little bit more of of that success. So I, I don't know, maybe whether it's one of the other guys who's already in the organization or somebody who comes in from outside, um, if he only focuses on hitting in a DH role and plays a little bit at third base, Maybe that's a, a path to turning that corner. So thank you, Francisco Alvarez, if that happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
so up next is Mark Vientos. Uh, Vientos is maybe of all the guys on this list. I feel like Vientos has the um, maybe the least diff- difference in opinion about him. Like there were folks who thought that Beatty was going to be Brooks Robinson. R.I.P. Brooks, by the way. Uh, there are folks who thought that Alvarez is going to be Mike Piazza. I didn't hear. There are folks who thought that Ronnie Mauricio was going to be Francisco Lindor. I don't think there's anybody who thought that Mark Vientos was going to be the next, um, you know, power hitting first baseman for for the in the in the majors. Um, and he's, you know, I, people sort of agreed he could, he could be a nice prospect or something. But he is, he's maybe the the least lauded of the of the guys that the Mets have, um, you know, ha- have in their in the baby Mets, you know, sort of classification here. And most of this season, he looked like maybe people were correct about him not being a super successful major league player. However, in September just in time for dollars for dinger season i should say uh he has gotten off to a bit of a he had a bit of a power surge and he started to maybe look a little bit more like there's a useful major league player in there um i i am still somewhat skeptical of vientos as a major leaguer how do you feel about this chris pretty much the same um i will say what he's done in september has been pretty good especially compared to say what you know what Beatty's done recently <laughs> um he's hit 247 301 506 um obviously that's very power dependent but it's a 119 wrc plus um i don't know it, it's not too shabby it's not quite enough for me to buy into um him being able to do it. But if I'm saying that Brett Beatty showing us something over the course of a month is at least a flash of something to maybe to hold on to, uh, then it's only fair to, to give Fientos maybe a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. I do think, um, I'd, I'd still have him of, you know, of the three guys who might get some of that playing time, whether it's at third base or DH, I'd still have him third under Beatty and Mauricio. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what the Mets do in building out the rest of the roster and, and sort of how many spots there are for someone who's, you know, a bat first kind of player. Um, I think some of the things we've heard Steve Cohen say this year might be influenced by his conversations that totally didn't happen with David Stearns before the hiring was official. <laughs> right? um, yes, of course that, that would never happen. But uh, we've heard him talk about seeing success around the league with uh, teams that are a little bit younger teams that are super athletic. Um, and it's not that Vientos isn't younger athletic, but um, I, I I still think he's the hardest player to fit into a roster um, the way the game is right now. And look, if he goes out and he's 20, 30% better than league average as a hitter, even if it is a 300 on base, five something slugging way of getting there, then there is always room for that kind of a hitter on, on a major league roster, no matter what is going on in the game. Um, Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know where he lands. Um, but at least we've gotten a little glimpse lately that says, "Well, maybe he can give you more than Vogelback gave you this year." Right. Um, it's just the bar needs to be a little bit higher than twenty twenty three. Daniel Vogelback. Yes, as somebody who loves <laughs> Vogelback, I, I want to defend him here, but I really, I really can't do that. Um, yeah. No. I. The, Super likable guy who I feel like is a lock to get non-tendered. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. Although, I mean, I I will argue that if he was used properly, I think he still has a role on this team next season. But I don't have confidence that he'll be used properly, or that there won't be somebody who is brought in who will make his skill set redundant. Right. 
And that just leaves Chris's favorite player of all time, Ronnie Mauricio, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as the uh, as the last of the baby Mets. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio, who has cost me ten dollars because of my five dollars per Mauricio home run dollars for dingers pledge, which I just put in there to uh, to make Chris laugh, essentially. So uh, I got ten bucks going to the National Domestic Violence Hotline because of you, Chris. So uh, you're welcome. There uh, we go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but what, what what have you thought of, of Mauricio's uh, very, very short tenure with the Mets so far? It, I mean, when he when he gets a hold of one, it is uh, it, it, it's no, it's a no doubt situation. <laughs> and, uh, Real granted, the funny situation. You're right. Yes. Yeah. So obviously he he ripped that double in his first uh, major league game. There's only been the two home runs, but they were both no doubters uh, again. Um, but the overall offensive production is less than you would like to see. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, he's stolen six bases. He's shown that he has real power in games, and uh, that's not something that you can teach. So I think he's uh, he's looked better in the field than anybody might have expected, including me. Uh, you know, I didn't have as strong a take on him in his time in Binghamton last year as, uh, as Alvarez, but he didn't stand out as an excellent defender or anything in, in the games that I saw there. Um, and so, he's also playing what he, what he self describes as his least favorite infield position. You know, yeah. he said he would rather be playing shortstop or third base rather than second. So the fact that he's doing this, this, you know, not that he's, again, he's not lighting the world on fire, but the fact that his third, preference he's doing this well with this early in his major league career is a is an encouraging sign for his future success yeah yeah i certainly hope um so it's such a small amount of playing time that he's gotten at the major league level it would be nice if he had a big series this weekend finish the year as like a league average hitter um you know in in this brief stint um but again, you know, I think I touched on this last time we we uh, did an episode. But the strikeout rate hasn't gotten dramatically worse in the jump from AAA to the big leagues. Um, it is it is several percentage points worse. Don't get me wrong, but it's um, it's been a little more manageable than maybe would have been expected, and I think. I'd be curious to see what he does with a whole lot of exposure to major league pitching. Um, and going into spring training, I know we constantly harp on the fact that spring training stats are meaningless, but um, even if the Mets go out and get some new players and uh, Mauricio Beatty Vientos are not expected to be starters on the opening day roster next year. I, I would think they're going to get tons of playing time in major league spring training games. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so just kind of watching what happens there. Um, I think that'll be, you know, that'll be interesting. The, the, the fact that he cut five percentage points off his uh, strikeout rate between 22 and Binghamton and this year in Syracuse. Um was encouraging and if he can kind of get that strikeout rate closer to 20 than 30 percent uh at the major league level then i think we start to maybe be able to buy into this uh being an exciting major league player so yeah agree yeah, we, we can hope yeah we can, we can certainly hope i have nothing to add to that i i retweet everything you say or re Re-X whatever the fuck we're saying now for that uh, <laughs> for that hellscape of website I don't even go to anymore. Um, anyway, anything else to, to say about the baby Mets, or are we ready to move on to our music section? No, no, I'm, 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 I think I'm Metsed out. So before we get to there, our music recommendations, Chris, have you seen the latest MLB collaboration with a famous rock and roll group? Um, I'm not sure. So it was announced, I don't know if it was yesterday, today, it was sometime this week, that MLB and the Rolling Stones are doing something special together 
which is that the vinyl copies of their newest album, there will be individual covers for each of the 30 Major League Baseball teams. Um, essentially, the, the album covers are, for this version at least, the album is called Hackney Diamonds, and um, the album covers are basically the Rolling Stones tongue logo with sort of where the upper lip would be a three-letter abbreviation for the team, so the Mets, obviously, NYM, and then uh, the color of the tongue and the letters are the team's colors. So there will be a special Mets vinyl edition of the Rolling Stones Hackney Diamonds. Um, How many should I sign you up for? (laughs) Do I have to listen to it? No. (laughs) No, uh, I mean it, it's always so awkward to have to. Uh, I mean, look, nobody should feel bad for the Rolling Stones, and nope, nope, obviously never. they accomplished a lot. But um, yeah, the, we happen to like a lot of bands that are making records that are interesting and good decades into their careers. Um, uh, you know, I don't want to toot around horns here but i'd like to say we have some pretty good taste with that sort of thing it's 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 very awkward when a band that achieved legendary status uh, um is still putting out music like that but hey you, you wouldn't be a hard vinyl to keep in mint condition as a collector's item that's that's true also yeah so. um i would definitely buy like uh sticky fingers of the mets cover on it or a yeah. uh you know, uh, let it bleed. Yeah, any of the Mick Taylor era albums, I would be happy. I mean, I, I, I probably, to be fair, I probably still wouldn't buy it. But I can, <laughs> I can understand why somebody would want to buy a great Rolling Stones album with a Met specific cover. What I don't understand is why people would be excited to buy the new Rolling Stones album with a Mets cover. Right. Anyway. Enough of that shit. What's your music pick <laughs> for this week? So I am, uh, the, the, I guess I'm going to, I don't know. It's not quite tying OCs, but, uh, and it's certainly not tying King Gizzard, but I'm dipping back into the Frankie and the Witch Finger as well. Um, I, it, it's been a while since I recommended either of, uh, the two previous albums that I recommended on the show. Um, but at some point this month, either two or three weeks ago. Um, they put out a record called data doom and it's got uh, one. I, I really do love is start to finish. Uh, but it's got two songs on it. The opener empire is the name of that song. And the third track electricide. Uh, those are two songs that uh, electricide had been out as a single for quite a while before the full album came out. Um, but it, 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 it's a ripper. It just uh, kind of blew me away. Uh, got to hear it live last fall at Desert Days, um, and the you know that first track, I, I believe, is how they opened their set there last year. So um, I've had some ability to listen to this stuff this year, but getting it in the full album form. Um, and then just really being happy with what they did with the rest of the record. Um, nine songs, 41 minutes, uh, and a nice mix. It never really like gets slow by any means, but, um, there's still some variations in, in sort of the intensity, uh, along the way. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, I'm, I'm glad that they, uh, that they got it all out there and I, I highly recommend it, especially for driving. Um, if, if, if you're a driver, so yeah, it's an excellent record. Um, I, I have, it's been in, in pretty steady rotation for me as well for the last uh, few weeks. So yeah, uh, excellent, excellent choice. Uh, and, and that was actually, if you didn't pick that, that would have been my pick this week as well. Ah, nice. There we go. <laughs> but um, but I figured that might be the case. And so I decided to go elsewhere. Um, I, I, I've been on a real new music kick 
lately, the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to catch up on some of the 2023 albums that I hadn't heard yet. And, and you know, as with any year, there's always so much good stuff that comes out. But I love to find these little records that sort of uh, fall through the cracks. And uh, I, I'm taking another page from your book, Chris, and I'm, I'm going with an Australian artist here. But I don't know if it's one that you're aware of. Do you know who M.F. Tomlinson is? I do not. I saw this album listed somewhere. I I, I did a search for things like, you know, best album of 2023. A, a bunch of websites did like a best records of the first half of the year. Pitchfork, I think it was just today, did the best records you may have missed so far. And so I saw this MF Tomlinson records called We Are Still Wild Horses. And it's only four tracks, but the last track is like 20 something minutes long. And I'm going to say ostensibly it's a singer-songwriter record, but there's really interesting instrumentation, and some of the instrumentation at times veers almost into jazz territory, which is not common of like a, a singer-songwriter type record. And as a noted jazz fan, uh, this is like exactly my shit. I love when there is music that is melodic and that is relatively straightforward, but around the the edges of it gets really interesting instrumentally. And that's how I felt listening to this record. Uh, the title track is the the, the 20 something minute long uh, track on there. But and that is the final track on the album. It is. Um, the album somehow flies by. It's, it's like 40 minutes and it's uh, there's only four tracks, but it, it does have a really nice sort of pace to it. But the first track is called A Cloud. And about halfway through listening to it, I, I was I was listening to this while I was reading, and I put the book down and just listened. And for me to put a book down while I'm listening to music is is a is quite a compliment. So yeah, I, I felt very very good about this record. Um, definitely kind of a moody, mellow record at times, but each song, like I said, has really instru- interesting instrumentation. All the songs build to really interesting places, and uh, yeah. Always good to give some love to another Australian artist. So we are still Wild Horses by MF Tomlinson. That's my pick of the week. And uh, as always, we thank you all for listening. We thank you for another season of Mets Baseball. Before we go, though, we have to remind you, you're hearing this on Friday, tomorrow, Saturday, September 30th, 4 p.m., the Ebbs Brewery, Dollars for Dingers. It's going to be amazing. We have more prizes that keep coming out of the woodwork. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this yet. So I may have to uh, edit this out, but SNY is donating a signed Gary, Keith, and Ron baseball to us to give away. And so if you're anything like me, that's where a lot of your raffle tickets are going to go on Saturday. But this season, we have already raised over $8,000 for the National Domestic Violence Hotline, putting our total at close to $50,000 over the course of Dollars for Diggers. It's a wonderful, wonderful cause. Please come out if you can, Saturday, 4 p.m., Ebbs Brewery. Come say hi. We'll have a beer together. It'll be lovely. And, uh, yeah, until then, go to homerandapplesauce.com, where there is Dollars for Dingers information, as well as information about all of our other podcasts. And I should say, if you become a patron before Friday at 11.59 p.m., you will be entered into an exclusive raffle drawing for one of the prospect sign balls we have at Dollars for Dingers. So no reason not to check out Dollars for Dingers and all we have going on there. Thank you for your support. Chris is on social media at Chris McShane. I'm on social media at Brian Needs an App. And until next time, let's go Mets.